Yeah, Chair Hegman, Ranking Member Ledger Fernandez, and members of the subcommittee. My name is Justin Ahastin. I'm Belagana, born for Totsoni. My maternal grandfather is Belagana, and my paternal grandfather is Kisani. I'm the Executive Director of the Navajo Nation Washington Office, providing testimony on behalf of Dr. Boo Nigren, President of the Navajo Nation. Thank you for the opportunity to testify before this subcommittee on the topic of economic diversification in Indian country. If I were to summarize the history of the Navajo economy in just a few words, I would probably say interrupted progress. The Navajo Nation was one of the largest Native American tribes in the country with over 400,000 enrolled members, with a reservation stretching over 27,000 square miles in Arizona, New Mexico, and Utah. Even though the land has challenges, like limited water resources, it also has enormous potential to sustain our people. For generations, our people thrived, building homes, raising livestock, and planting orchards until the United States destroyed everything in, 18, in the 1860s. We returned to our lands after the long walk and began to rebuild. But yet again, in the 1930s, our wealth was taken away through the livestock reduction program, which slaughtered two-thirds of our livestock. With limited water resources, the federal government told us the only way to prosperity was through mineral extraction. One of the largest jobs created by the federal government was uranium mining, which employed thousands of Navajo citizens during the Cold War, but left behind a legacy of radiation poisoning, death, and open mines that have yet to be remediated. The Black Mesa coal mine generated millions of dollars in revenue for the Navajo government, but ultimately depleted over 44 billion gallons of water from our aquifers, drying up springs that our people relied on to provide water to their families and to their livestock. The most recent blow was probably when the Navajo Generating Station near Page, Arizona was permanently shut down. The Navajo Generating Station had 538 employees, a majority of whom were Navajo, and paid about $52 million in wages every year. The loss of that income severely damaged the Navajo economy and the local community has yet to recover. Time and time again, the federal government promised us jobs and prosperity, but the promise was often illusory and the jobs were devil's bargain. For over 50 years, we have known that we need to diversify our options and we have worked tirelessly towards that goal. We now have a dozen tribal enterprises that bring revenue to the Navajo Nation government and provide good jobs to our people, but it clearly isn't enough. Despite an educated and talented workforce, we struggle to make progress. Many citizens still lack basic infrastructure such as running water, sanitation, housing, and paved roads, and our unemployment rate sits about 57%. The fact of the matter is the Navajo Nation is not a small casino tribe with a few hundred citizens that can live off the gaming revenues. We have a casino, but they're located far from major population centers and only generate modest revenue. Even our most successful enterprises cannot employ all of our citizens directly, and they shouldn't have to. We need a variety of businesses operating in the Navajo Nation representing all sorts of industries. We need to empower our entrepreneurs to dream big and take risks that will create the industries for tomorrow, but sadly, this isn't happening. No company wants to invest in a community with a dirt road that is effectively impassable for weeks at a time, but we can't pave our roads without gravel, and we can't dig our gravel pits without getting permission from the Department of the Interior. Many entrepreneurs use a mortgage to secure startup funds, but our people don't own their homes, which means there is no equity to leverage to start a new business. I don't mean to sound overly pessimistic. There have been great strides to help Indian country since the self-determination era began. We have been the beneficiaries of many federal programs meant to help tribes start their own enterprises, and we hope to benefit from even more. 
Though my written testimony identifies problems with many of the recent programs, one of these programs is the State Small Business Credit Initiative, which we hope will provide a perpetual infusion of capital to empower small businesses to compete on and off the reservation. But one thing that we do need is for the federal government and state governments to get out of the way. The Dinette people are hardworking, creative, and we're ready to take on any opportunity, but those opportunities will only come when tribes are given exclusive jurisdiction over their lands and not beholden to the federal government or the state governments to dictate how business is done. In conclusion, I would like to reaffirm our unwavering commitment to building a diverse and sustainable Navajo economy and creating opportunities for all members of our community. I look forward to collaborating to improve the lives of the Navajo people, and it's my sincere hope that our efforts, we will be able to remove the barriers that stand in the way for a prosperous Navajo economy. I'm happy to answer any questions that you may have, and thank you. Uh, Thank you for your testimony, and I don't think I could have said it better. So the chair now recognizes Ms. Sherry Rupert for five minutes.